0: As always, on a Friday, we have a big weekend of ACC basketball. And for a lot of teams, it's, you know, they've only got a few more cracks at good wins to get themselves on the right side or even onto the bubble in many cases. Uh, but North Carolina is not on a bubble. We're going to start with the Tar Heels. If you don't mind, Brian Geisinger, how are you? I'm doing well. How about you guys? Doing very well. All right. Um, are Are you concerned about the Tar I'm not. I'm just saying that. Uh, but are you concerned about the Tar Heels?
1: No, I'm not. I mean, I, I think I said this a few times earlier in the season. I, I did think that the defense was sort of like um, performing a little bit above expectations. Um, and not just sort of like preseason expectations, but just sort of like looking at the personnel, the strategy, the way teams are getting shots. I thought at some point teams would start making more. Uh, looks against them and, and that would cause right. defense that had been playing at an elite level in terms of points allowed per possession would sort of, you know, regress to the mean a little bit, which is still pretty high for them. Right. I mean, they've got, I think Cadeau has given them a nice point of attack. Defender Harrison Ingram can do stuff. Uh, Cormac Ryan, good perimeter defender. And, you know, Amanda Bacot may not be the most like bouncy rim protector, but he's, he's really tough. He's strong. He's yeah. A good size. Um, and when they're in that drop coverage, when their guards are making sure to funnel ball handlers in the right direction, they're tough. So, like, I'm not worried about it, and I just think ultimately we're getting closer to sort of the what should be expected performance level of the defense, which is still good. It's just probably like not the best defense in the country. Good. <laughs> no,
0: no, it's not. It's not quite Virginia. And keep in mind, everyone, that the or ACC, Houston. right? The ACC runs through Armando Bacot, based on what <laughs> I've heard, and honestly. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad it does. Um, Here's the thing that I've thought about. Like, yes, of course, they were not going to be a team that holds oppositions to under 30 percent three point shooting for the bulk of the season. (laughs) And during that nine game winning streak, that's basically where they were. Those if you look and I, I use Bart Torvik a lot, their defensive scores for those for that nine game winning streak were absolutely off the charts they they were the best defense in the country for uh for nine games in the first nine or 11 or whatever it was they were not the not the best defense by any stretch (laughs) of the imagination um and in this last five games it's it's been eh and that's they, they can't just be eh so people have asked well are they tired I guess it's possible because defense is effort, right? Defense is effort, but um, yeah. So, but I don't know that they they don't play enough, really, to be tired at this point. But this is
1: like this is my favorite part of every season because this is where like there's like somewhat of a sample size of of of, of a team's performance, but really like the 30 games these teams played, like it's only. Somewhat of a good indicator, like it's not perfect. So, like stuff changes frequently, and instead of like being like, "Hey, you know," sometimes shots go in. It has to be like, <laughs> to you know, like uh, um, to like effort or to fatigue or something. Like we've got to find something intangible that we can't even explain to uh, describe what is just the fact that like North Carolina's defense, which I love the scheme they play. If I were a head coach in the ACC, I would do a lot of what UNC does personally. Um, but because they play that drop coverage, it allows them to stay home on shooters. So, like, they're going to take away spot-up threes, which are, you know, kick-out threes. Which right. Which are the sort of, like, the best looks. And they're going to try to force you into taking off the dribble threes, which are, unless it's R.J. Davis shooting them, you know, right. not a great shot. Right. And guess what? He plays for UNC, not for the opponent. So you're forcing teams to take more of an inefficient type of three, but that doesn't mean teams are going to shoot 25% on those looks all season. (laughs) As you just sort of said, like you might get a nine game stretch where that's the case. And then guess what? Like you might get a nine game stretch where teams shoot 34% on that. And all of a sudden that changes like the numbers quite a bit. So I think there's no need for them to have to rethink things here. Like the defense, it's effective. It works. They've got the personnel. They've got the pieces, and like you know, we'll see how it goes down the stretch once postseason play rolls around. But but I think they're set up quite well to be a good defense, and uh, they're they're making teams take the kind of shots that um my guess is that UNC staff wants them to take.
0: Okay, my, my my read as I'm I'm, I'm going to move to Duke here, but but my read is that <laughs> honestly that North Carolina, I think their defense will get marginally better than it has been over the last five games or so. But what they really need is their offense to be better. Because other than the, you know, I think for as good as Harrison Ingram is, he's he's very much an up-and-down shooter. He has great nights and he has bad nights. Cormac Ryan has not been consistently good um, in yeah. terms of shooting the basketball. So right now their most consistent source of offense and the ACC's player of the year is R.J. Davis. Even Armando has not been consistently good offensively. I think North Carolina's offense improving is imp- is probably their best ticket to becoming, again, one of those Final Four favorites. As for the Blue Devils, um, I don't know if they're ever going to be uh, a even a very good defensive team. But they can be better offensively, and I think Kyle Filipowski went through a rough stretch offensively. Do you see him coming out on the other side?
1: Yeah, I think. I mean, I think he's played really well the last two games. Um, thought he was great against Wake Forest the other night. Thought it was just a really good two-way performance. Um, I thought like kind of the key to victories for them earlier this week against Wake was just the defensive versatility of Flip and uh, Mark Mitchell, who's also playing great, playing really really well oh, my and that's huge for them because like as we've discussed, Gold, the, the whole point of this the whole like concept of this Duke team, this this five out machine on offense that's going to be able to space the floor, but then be versatile defensively, hinged on um, Flip and Mitchell being able to do a bunch of stuff. And those guys are really talented. They're they're like good lateral athletes for their size. Um, it's got complicated though. When this gets complicated though, when Philip gets into foul trouble, yeah. and when Mark at times has been liability is maybe too strong of a word, but has been like a hindrance on the half court offense, and they can't they just couldn't find the right lineups for chunks of the season. I think recently, like the way Mitchell's playing, like not just hitting threes, but the way he's like slashing and cutting, because that's what he does best. It's the dirty work stuff. Um, And I thought those guys did a terrific job switching out onto Cam Hildreth and Kevin Miller. And I know Salas got his, but they made it tough too. And I just thought the help, um, like those guys switching out, and then the help was really really strong. Then yeah, Filipowski. Like I think it's important to remember, like what this guy does best. I think is he is a connective passer. Like he can really play finish. He's still in a bit of a cold snap, you know, shooting pick and pop. Maybe he'll heat back up a little bit. He's pretty streaky in terms of that. But his passing, his playmaking, um, is huge. And when you get when you got Mitchell screening and cutting like he has been, and you've got Jared McCain floating around out there, all of a sudden like he's got some big time targets to throw the ball to in, in good areas of the floor. You know, Mitchell at the rim. Or, uh, you know, Jared floating for an open three. And I just thought the Wake-Duke game in general was super fun, like, well-played, you know, like, well-coached games yeah. for both teams.
0: Oh, no, it was it, was, it was an incredibly fun basketball game to watch. Look, I like I – th- I think Wake is good. Wake just hasn't beaten anybody good. They haven't beaten anybody at least away from home. I think they beat Virginia in Winston-Salem. Yeah. But they, they've they got to figure out a way to win a game away from home. Um, well, I know they get Duke out there. Tomorrow. <laughs> well, yes. Uh, and look it's it's win I think Virginia's good too. Uh yeah, which are. I'm going to ask you uh before we get out of here about uh about Pitt but let me get to the Wolfpack. Um DJ Horn has had just a tremendous year. Mm-hmm. I I don't know if you can say anybody else has had anything better than like a B minus. Um w- w- where where does the Wolfpack improve? so they can maybe make some sort of a a ripple in the water here?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it comes down to doing stuff that they really haven't done at a consistent level all season, which is finding other ways to get the ball to the rim more frequently in the half court, which is not something you can just snap your fingers and do. Um, You know, you either need, like, special talent. um, You need the shooting to complement that kind of ball handling or that low post presence. Um, that's something state really doesn't have outside of Horn. I mean, I think Morcell's a pretty good shooter. He just had a tough season from deep this year, um, and that's going to be tough for them to figure out right. because, like, <laughs> they have an offense that's set up that's designed to take a lot of like mid-range twos, whether it's the pick and roll with Horn, right. Taylor, Morcell, or it's in the low post with uh, with DJ Burns. Like DJ is uh, no only Zach Edie of Purdue has used more post-up possessions than DJ has this season. <laughs> he draws, DJ draws only about three fouls per 40 minutes for one with a post-up guy with a 27% usage rate. That's just nothing. So like this team, they don't really get to the line. There's not a lot of rebounds. They don't take a ton of threes. They don't make a lot of threes and they don't get to the rim. Um, I looked this up on CBB analytics last night. um, only 20% of state's field goal attempts this season have come at the rim, like 20.4%, which is in the lowest percentile nationally. Um, and until they're able to like find a way to do that, the half court offense is always, or, like to improve that. The half court offense is always going to be just like a bit of a slog and stuck in the mud a little bit, regardless of how good DJ Horn is, because like he can occasionally I think geek out coverages and get teams to switch up. He did that during the win over Wake and Raleigh, right? But he's not a rim pressure guy, you know? Like he's a he's a shooter from a couple different levels. But he doesn't get downhill and get to the rim and force teams to, to bend and break. And DJ Burns, as great as he is in the low block, he's not a screen roll guy. Like he doesn't get downhill for dunks no. and for <laughs> lobs. Um and he's not a pick and pop guy either. He has, literally hasn't made a three his entire career yeah. as a college player. So I don't know. It's it's tough to sort of like find the right blend with them I think it just comes down to one can you f- just generate a ton of turnovers like can you force more turnovers and get more fast break opportunities and then when you get when you get the chance can you run in secondary situations as much as possible and then when you get in the half court like they just got to do everything faster it just everything has to everyone's got to be running and screaming and cutting at 110% because like anything less than that They don't have enough, they don't have like the right pieces to just like immediately uh, start, you know, generating the kind of looks that they haven't been able to do for 30 games so far this season. So they've got to find the right blend. And it'd be nice if they could get, you know, Taylor Morcell to um, get hot. I do think it's important for them to play O'Connell a lot here because I think he's crucial for picking up their pace, um, for igniting their secondary offense, for getting their transition game going with those hit-ahead passes. And so far, he's been a huge, like, on-off piece uh, for State so far this season. So, like, I find more utility for O'Connell. I would run at every single opportunity, and I would be begging guys to screen and cut and do so at 110%, 110 miles per hour, like, whatever, right, whatever but- numerical cliche you want to use because they just got to kick it up a little bit.
0: You described the Carolina Hurricanes power play when it's not going well. Uh <laughs> like everything looks too slow. We just have to, everything has to be done at a quicker pace. Uh got about a minute left here. Pitt. Um or anybody else in that next tier of ACC team. And I single out Pitt because they've won 6 of their last 7. 4 of those 6 wins have come on the road. Uh and they are threatening. They are scaring the top 50. Right now, uh according to the metrics, uh do you like them, or is this just hey, they've won six out of their last seven because somebody has to
1: yeah, I mean it is one of those things you probably don't want to overreact to like uh you know two and a half three week stretch or whatever, but as far as like pit goes specifically, I mean gold, I think we've talked about them a couple of times on the like in text or on the air this season, like, I've liked this team from the yeah, jump. When so they found out 0-3, I was like, they're good, actually. They've got legitimate... Their personnel is really, really good. Bub Carrington is awesome. Jalen Lowe is an awesome freshman guard, too. Yep. Blake Hinson's one of the craziest shooters in the country. <laughs> um, total irrational confidence guy with crazy range, shoot-off <laughs> movement. And you know, 6'7", 240 pounds or whatever. Um, the front courtroom with Federico Federico. Uh, the diaz Grand brothers, like mobile 6'11", 7-footers that can do a bunch of stuff. Um, And and the Diaz-Grand brothers can also, like, space and and, and be mismatch pieces, too. So I like this team a lot. I think Jeff Capel is an awesome coach, (laughs) and, like, not just, like, a recruiter. Like, I love the stuff they run offensively, and uh, they're, they're playing with confidence right now, too, so they should scare you because, like, they've got a bunch of different guys who can beat you offensively. And if you can score like that and score against a bunch of different defenses and you've got a big-time shooter like that in Hinson, um, yeah, they, they're they pretty – I think they're, like, a pretty potent team. Um, it's just, like, can they get the uh, the defense to be there with an offense that I think has, has, like, a lot of dudes and a lot of ways in which you can attack.
0: Yeah, their defense is not great, but uh, Louisville this yeah, weekend, yeah. then uh, the game Tuesday in Winston-Salem is going to be – Uh, a, I think, a very important game for both them and Wake Forest. Brian Geisiger, EdBGeis underscore bird on Twitter, knows more about basketball than anybody I know. I appreciate your time, my man. Uh, We'll talk to you next week.
1: Yeah, you guys have a great weekend. You
0: too. Brian Geisiger here on the Adam Gold Show.